0: Welcome to Soul Traders, a podcast for photographers and freelancers who dream big and work hard. I'm Bo, a photographer
1: and mentor. And I'm Amy, a content writer and marketing coach. Join us as we discuss the ins and outs, the vagaries, the traps and the triumphs of running a
0: solo freelance business. Hey, Amy. Hi, Bo. How are you? Good. Um, today, we're going to talk about pricing for freelancers, which is a bit of a funny world because everybody charges different things. People never know what to charge, especially when new people are starting out. Um, it's Why is it so hard?
1: It's really mysterious, isn't it? It's a really murky area. It's not talked about enough, in my opinion. Uh, I think people feel sort of a lot of hesitation in talking about, about pricing and how much they charge and sharing that information, which is which is a great shame. I think a big part of the discomfort around talking about pricing your services as a freelancer is that we're not sort of used to deciding what, what our time's worth. I mean, you know, a lot of us have, have had other jobs. We've been paid a wage. It's a decision that's been out of our
0: hands. Yeah, that's true. But also as a Culture, we're a bit weird about money. We are, a bit and weird. then it's got this additional layer of our value. So there's this kind uh, of totally, yeah. There's that other element to it that I reckon makes it really hard for people. Yeah, that's what I wanted to talk about today. Was this idea of price versus value? So mm-hmm. in a way, the price is sort of a number. And you might be doing that hourly or per job or things like that, but actually trying to pinpoint what the value of your work is. And so a little bit of that is about what you're actually offering to the client. So pinpointing what it is that you're offering, whether that's a specific service, and then what the value of that is to the client, and then sort of bouncing that back into a pricing system that sits somewhere in the sort of realm of, yeah.
1: i what- like to know, Bo, how do you do it? For in your work? How do you negotiate between that sort of value
0: to the client versus what your time's worth? Well, it's taken quite a few years of back and forthing. And also my prices have slowly risen. There's a general sense for photographers. So say as far back as 1999, a photographer's day rate was 800 bucks a day. And now a photographer's day rate, I think somewhere between a thousand and two thousand and $2,000 with no... Add ons. So is that that doesn't seem like uh, it's risen a lot. No, it hasn't. I mean, that's like nearly 30 years. Yeah, and like yeah. inflation and all oh, that. I know it's 20. My maths <laughs> is. <laughs> I have really <laughs> that's a good, good, good maths. <laughs> so, yeah, so the way I price has worked out for me that I'm working on an hourly rate, and that doesn't work for everyone, but working on an hourly rate means that I can work in two, four, or eight hour blocks, which I reckon works really well for me. I can't book. I don't want to book less than that because I don't know, you know, I can't book like five jobs that are all an hour long. That's mainly how I do it is by the hour. And it it is more of more value to the client for me to stay longer. So it gets the hourly rate goes down as the at the amount of hours that they've booked me for goes up. So it means that if they're going to book four, that they may as well book eight. And that gives me a full day's work. So it's kind of good like that.
1: And did you arrive at that straight away or was that something you had to sort of settle into? No,
0: definitely not. Like some, you know, some jobs, they specify what they're going to pay you and that's really great. But most of the time, and you know, it's different for me as well, because I'm working with artists, not necessarily in advertising. So... You know, and again, for photographers who work shooting weddings, that's a whole other pricing structure. So looking at how other people in your industry are charging, how long they've been working for. um, But it's really hard to find that out because people can be very cagey about it. How
1: do you approach having those conversations?
0: look, I sort of understand why people are cagey about it, because I think if you just dump a number, like if I were just like dump a number on social media and say, this is my day rate. It would be really difficult for me to explain exactly what that includes. And mm. that includes things like licensing to a certain point. There are it. a lot of hidden costs under yeah, there. Yeah, totally. So So is there an element of you know
1: establishing what that dollar amount represents for you? Do you sort of
0: have to educate your clients about what they're actually paying for? Yeah, so people are always like, Yeah, but I'm paying for the photos. And I'm like, No, what you're paying for is me to be there on site shooting. With all of my gear, and then you're paying for the license for x amount of images. That's so really that's actually what they're paying misunderstanding for.
1: Misunderstanding around that, isn't yeah, because of
0: the whole copyright and licensing thing. So um, that's such an interesting. Well, to me, it's interesting. It's extremely snoozeworthy to many people. But it's, <laughs> if you're a photographer or working with a photographer, it is really you've you know you've got to know about that stuff. So I'm going to do another podcast about that where I just oh, yes. yeah where I just talk we're going shit to do myself.
1: some. Um, some shorter episodes where we kind of delve into in more detail into sort of some of these issues that we get asked about a lot in our work and just in general. So something to look forward to. Yes. (laughs) It's very exciting stuff, Amy.
0: (laughs) Nerd (laughs) alert. Yeah. So pricing, it is also something that I think people... Forget has to include, like you're saying, if you are on a wage, so say you're employed by so and so, they take your tax out for you, they yes. do all that stuff. So you don't see any of that. And um, superannuation. Yeah, though. that's right. So a friend of mine recently started um, consulting and they were like, oh, you know, it's 120 bucks an hour. It's so awesome. And I'm like, well, actually, it's 60 bucks an hour. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, okay, so you've got. GST, that's 10%. Your income tax is going to be at least 20%. Then you've got um, superannuation, 10%. Then you've got your business expenses. So that's around anywhere between 40 and 50% of your fee. So you're looking at actually about $60 to $70 an hour is what you're bringing home as a wage. Doesn't sound as good, doesn't it? Well, it doesn't sound as good, but that's what it is, you know. And um, just sort of seeing it like that and understanding that that's, so every time someone pays me that, you know, I pretty much am halving that cost and looking at 50% of that is my wage and 50% goes to all these other, to the tax man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What was the original question, by the way?
1: How do you set your prices? And, and oh, oh, no, what I wanted to know is how have you got to to the point where you're at now? Like, you know, did you have another structure that you tried? Um, oh, yeah, so
0: I do have different structures, mainly based on whether I'm working for arts organisations for um, artists who are unfunded or for, well, as I say, I don't do a lot of advertising photography but that price then has to be much higher because it includes me handing over all the, like a licensing agreement that means that they can do a hell of a lot more with the images and my name's not attached anymore. Mm -hmm. Generally I work in a way where my prices are slightly lower but my name is attached all the time and that's part of the collaborative process process. So
1: yeah, yeah, I mean, this to me, like, there's just so much complexity here, isn't there? I mean, yeah. I mean, and like you say, this is why you can't just throw a number out there, yeah, because people just can't. That a number can never reflect the amount of complexity that's that's gone into a, arriving there.
0: Yeah. What about your stuff? Do you chat with other people who do something similar and talk to them, or? Um, I have had. I've gone on a journey in the last uh, couple of
1: years. Um, particularly. Have you well, been on
0: a pricing journey? I've been on a pricing
1: <laughs> journey. Um, I don't even think I've arrived yet at a, pro, a sort of at a structure or something um, that resembles a structure that I'm satisfied with. So I do a lot of content writing and my background is is more in sort of in the design, architecture design, working with web designers, working, you know, in teams Um, with other people and not with writers. So what I found was, you know, I was very good at writing and um, it was something I was being asked to do, but I just had no kind of community to tap into to ask, you know, what on earth should I charge? So I was really in the dark here. Uh, And what I found actually the best resource, um, I asked my sister, who happens to be a novelist, <laughs> that helps. So she's Perfect. a writer, um, but obviously a very different kind of writer. But she put me onto a Facebook group, um, which is sort of like an invite-only thing, and it's a sort of a group for writers who are trying to establish themselves. Okay. And there was a whole thread there that, that she was able to point me towards of people asking the same questions and sharing resources. Yeah. Because basically I think... What I've learned from going on this journey is that everybody struggles with this, mm. um, that there's a lot of complexity behind what a freelancer sole trader charges mm. for their services and that it's something that doesn't really stay fixed. You sort of have to work out your own parameters, your own kind of structure or matrix that you reference and go from there, because of yeah. course the goalposts are always moving. Like technology changes, people's expectations change, you know, and your prices have to reflect that.
0: Yeah, and I feel like sometimes for people freelancing, an advocacy body would be someone who could do that for you. Yeah. but they're also not, you know, they. It often doesn't feel like those advocacy bodies are moving at the oh, same pace as the industry's definitely moving. Not, yeah.
1: Definitely so that not. Definitely looked, not. I looked up. There is a. Um, a an industry body for writers that has like a per word rate and an hourly rate, but I just found I looked at that and I just thought that that just doesn't seem to reflect what I've been hearing from other people. Yeah. Um. The other thing that I that I think I want to say about pricing is that, in fact, when I did broach the subject with people, in fact, what I found was that they were very keen to talk about it. Yeah. And maybe this is just other writers and they were struggling with the same things that i was struggling with which was really refreshing and they and they were desperate to talk about it yeah yeah I, it, look i think it's an ongoing question for me and i'm not sort of
0: satisfied with where i'm at yet i think i've still got work to do yeah the other thing about pricing is that you sort of can never go like once you've priced in a certain way with a client, it's quite hard to shift that pricing. So if people have paid a really low amount and you've gone in far too low on a quote, because A, you, you know, maybe you're not confident enough and B, you didn't know and C, you're so desperate to get the job. Then you're stuck with a permanent client for many, many years who you are working for a lot less than you should be. And I That's happened to quite a few people that I know and, you know, it means that they feel that they can't put their prices up with that particular client Mm. and then they end up with this bizarre pricing structure that's kind of, you know, based on when they picked up clients, which doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah, so that's another kind of pitfall I think I've noticed a lot of people um, that I've worked with have done. So let's try and break this
1: down. If we were, if, say, a young photographer came to you or a photographer that was very early in their career and they said to you, "Bo, you know, if there are like three or four things that I should consider um, when I'm pricing my services,
0: what would those things be? The first thing, and I think that every photographer will complain about is post-production time. So I would say to said young photographer or older person photographer who is starting out to say that a day's worth of shooting equals approximately a day's worth of post production. So if is you're it not as going. as simple as that. Yes, around about. It's like depending on the job, obviously. It's a rule of thumb. But yeah, as a rule of thumb, I would say that. And I would also make the client aware of that. So I would decide whether you're going to include that, you know, a basic level of post production in your shoot fee, which is what I do. And then over that, then it starts costing X amount per hour. Um, so that's probably the biggest piece of information I would. Um, say to people. The other thing I guess is to, at the end of the day, if you undercharge, you also find that you're undervalued. Mm. Um, Comes back to this value issue. People who don't want to pay tend to work out to be shit clients actually. Mm. And they're actually often, um, they work out to be people that you really just constantly feeling like you're eroded at the end of working with them. And they're constantly, the scope of the project is suddenly growing all the Mm. time but your pay is never growing along with that. So I think, you know, worrying about you, sometimes you'll lose clients and they'll go and find, you know, often people say, you know, I'd like this done and I'll say to them, well, here's my minimum rate and they'll be like, oh, that's too much for me and I'll say, well, maybe you can find a student or someone to do that for the amount that you've got but you're not going to get a person who's got my amount of experience to do that at that cost. That's just not going to happen. And that's the value issue, isn't it?
1: I had some feedback um, that, you know, on a content writing job that I was offering a lot of great advice in addition to just like, here's your content. Oh yeah. Like um, educational yeah, sort of stuff. Sort of yeah. like I was just, you know, I was prompting them to think about, you know, their business in a wider sense, like their marketing strategies, their website, how it was structured, how they were navigating people around. So I was, you know, adding value in terms of I guess strategic advice. And I'm now thinking, you know. Is that something that I need to, you know, do I offer an, that as an addition to mm. writing services, like an add-on kind of strategy session, or is it something that needs to be built in and reflected in my in my rates, you know, when I'm offering writing services? I think
0: there's certain things that you can value add that you bring anyway. That's why people employ you and that's why people want to work with you because you can value add those things. But I think that there's like a limit to how much you can do that without also letting people know that that might be another, you know, add another fee or as, a, you know, that the, that's a different scope of project. Mm. What do you reckon for younger copywriters or older copywriters who are just starting out? I don't want to be ageist. Yeah, I don't want to be ageist. Um, there's, it's a great
1: thing to get into at any any time. <laughs> And actually, gosh, with experience, I'm, I should probably make you a better rider, surely. Yeah. Look, I think that whole considering the value to the client is a really big one. You know, consider what you're offering them and what kind of mileage they're going to get out of that product um, that you're offering. The other thing that I think is worth mentioning that I'm exploring right now is packages. And, you know, you know, instead of like an hourly rate or a per word rate, you offer a package um, and then you can sort of have those value add bits on. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of people are doing packages. And I
0: mean, why do you think that is? Well, I think it's packages are good because then the client feels like everything is clarified about what they're actually getting. Mm-hmm. And then you also, as the freelancer can be really clear about what is in and what's out because I think that's the thing that people have the most trouble with is the boundaries on you know there's always people saying photography related scenarios it's always like oh you know sure you there's your hourly rate but they might say oh but I need the images tomorrow Oh, but I need, you know, 20 images. Oh, but, you know, and so the the project's constantly getting bigger and bigger and bigger, so the value that they're getting is getting higher and higher and higher, but your rate is not going anywhere. And then you have to have those discussions. Yeah, that bit of clarification, I think, and some of that stuff is also like a bit of a boundary sort of thing. Did we have a community question? Oh, we do,
1: and it's a great one. The community question is, should you ever work for free?
0: Well, I am going to invoice you at the end of this <laughs> session, um, so no. As a photographer, I reckon you do, like it's a pretty normal thing to work for free when you're starting out because you're mm. sort of getting experience when you're a student or when you're first starting or you're trying to do interesting jobs. Um, for me now, I either work at full price or I work for free. That's my two options. So, so you're, you're not discounting your rate? I never do discounts. It is so confusing doing discounts because right. also, I'm a quite like my social set is also my work people. So, it would like if I had a mates' rates thing going, or like everyone's my mate, and it's mm. really difficult. I'd say to, that's quite that, common for a lot of freelancers. Yeah. Because, I mean, where do you
1: where does your work come from? A lot of it is word of mouth, right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, and if say something is really important to me or I love it so much, I love this project so much, or there's something about it that is just, you know, brilliant, or I want to, you know, there's something, there's another value in it for me. Like it's just the sort of thing that I want to be shooting more of. So I need a bit more of that in my portfolio. I'll do it for free. Right. But otherwise I'm shooting full price and that's, that's where I've kind of. That's boundaries, isn't it? That's boundaries. yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, I like this idea. So, um, we've also talked in the past about having a passion project. Oh,
0: yeah. Can you explain that? Well, also when I talked to you about my passion, I was like, "Look, I look, Amy, I'm really onto everything, and I just do one passion project per year." But then it turned out that straight after I talked to you, then of course we started doing this podcast, and yeah. then a few other things piqued my interest, and <laughs> now I've got a few passion projects on the go. Um, but basically it means that there's a sort of space in my life where if I do, and that is they're working for free Mm. and I don't mind throwing that stuff in because I'm working with good people and I want to make that, you know, help that particular cause or effort. Um, I'm I'm 100% on board with that, but yeah, it means that to fund those other projects, everyone else does have to pay full price and it means that I don't end up in like lots of awkward scenarios with people where there's like any expectation. and So everybody just sort of knows that, you know, if if I'm going to work for them, I'm just as clear with a friend about what I'm going to charge. Um, But I do think probably for writers as well, everyone thinks writers are going to write for free and everyone thinks like people always you know, it's that there's this saying for photographers about dying um, from exposure. (laughs) And it's this thing where people are always like, oh, you know, here's this great opportunity for you to come to this event and, you know, be shooting this thing and we get the images. And it's like, one of the things about value is remembering for photographers that people make money from those photographs. It's Mm. part of their business. So if they can't invest in that part of their business, then. You know, they're not really running a business if they're looking for people to be volunteering for something that's a commercial interest. I don't see that as, you know, a valuable thing to do, but it's something that is really people are always like, oh, you're coming anyway. Maybe you could bring your camera. I'm Uh like, oh, yeah, should I just work all the time? (laughs) And then should I... Um, be on the computer until midnight so that you can have the images, like no effing way, yeah. you know. And, and what writers, about, um, I reckon. Oh, yes. Oh. And what about this whole starving artist mentality? Oh, uh, look, I think it's different. Like, in one sense, you know, photography has like a really commercial aspect. So we're sort of, we walk in two worlds between <laughs> the creative and the commercial. Um, so there is opportunities for photographers to make decent money, that's not true of all creative pursuits. But I do think that there's a bit of a mentality around, you know, I think that artists um, and people who work um, creatively where that it's because it's so hard to value, it's so hard to price um, because you're always, when you're a creative person or you're always looking, you're you're always work, you're sort of always working. Yes. Um, So you can't put a price on all the thinking time and all the ruminating that you're doing but it is really important i think to sort of that there is money if you put value if you take the value away and say oh my you know work isn't worth you know that much i'll drop my prices to this you know amount that doesn't include any wage for me so that i cover my costs at least Then it sort of creates a bit of a vicious cycle, yeah. And it's interesting working working with people in other creative pursuits who really value my energy and effort. And then in within that, you're always bumping into people who. Also don't it's, a bit of a, it's quite weird. Do you know
1: what? I always am shocked when somebody straight from the word go says we always pay people properly, you will get, you know, we really value your time. You know, that's a surprise to me. <laughs> and it shouldn't be that way, should it? So we want to do a new segment where we talk about what we've been working on.
0: So I want to ask you both, what have you been working Uh, on? Ask me, ask me. Yeah, go on. Um, So this week I worked on a project where, um, so mostly I photograph artworks, which is a lot of paintings, a lot of installations, things like that. But this person um, is an artist from South Africa who'd come to do a residency in Australia and she's working with infectious diseases
1: Uh, and making
0: artworks out of them. So I ended up in in a hospital sort of area at the QE2 in a lab with the whole lab coat sort of scene <laughs> photographing these bacterial growths on a light box um, for this artist, which was really fun. Um, Who's and the they, artist though? Her name's Leora Faber.
1: Fabulous. Yeah. So
0: she's gone back to, um, she was flying out the next day back to Johannesburg. And, yeah, so it was really great fun, but it was also just really strange just working in this whole medicalised sort of space with all the weirdy diseases. Anyway, it turned out I don't seem to have caught any of the diseases. Excellent. So that's good news. What about you?
1: Gosh, uh, mostly baby stuff this week. <laughs> um <laughs> Been working on a bit of poo. Yeah, I've been working (laughs) on my four-month-old's got some really chunky thighs happening, so that's a big project that I'm committed to. (laughs) You're building it. (laughs) <laughs> another segment that we want to do is called Kicking Goals. So we want to celebrate the small wins because we're all about small wins. Um, when you're a freelancer, you've, you've got to, you're working alone, so you've got to pat yourself on the back occasionally. So do you want to celebrate any small wins this, this week?
0: Well, I, look, my whole life is kicking goals, as you know, Amy. It's just, I'm just jumping from one successful situation to another, but And that's why when you asked me about Kicking Goals, I was like, oh, yeah, you know, it's all gone great, so I don't really have anything specific, but I've got something outside of work that is Kicking Goals, and that is, so I've been swimming at Greens Pool for many years, and um, it's a great place to swim, it's been really awesome, but it's recently been closed for all this infrastructure upgrade, Um, So because lots of tourists really like it, because obviously they saw my Instagram account, and then they all (laughs) came, it's very strange, Um, and we were looking for somewhere else to swim, but because I've just had uh, a shoulder operation, swimming in the ocean is really hard because the waves are too big and I've started swimming in the river <gasps> and it is brilliant. And uh-huh. now I've become, so the goal that I've kicked is that I just have to not get upset about my situation. I've moved on to this other thing and now I'm a river, like a freshwater river swimmer. Another so string go, to your bow. Another string to me bow.
1: Well, I, my goal that I, um, kicked this week that, you know, I want to celebrate a small win is that I had food poisoning, which was horrible. <laughs> that's not, really that's not the goal. goal, but gosh, that feeling when you feel well again and your digestive system's working. Uh, oh, wow. Your kicking
0: goal is just that you're still alive <laughs> and you are functioning like a vaguely normal human.
1: Ah, uh, That's where I'm at right you now. Are, though. It's a
0: very low bar to set.
1: <laughs> two babies, two very young children. Yeah pretty much. Well, good on you.
0: Well done for staying Thank alive. You. Um, I've done so well. Yeah. Yeah. You kicked that goal. All right. Oh, and you know what? Just to get a little, I had this, um, other little woo woo thing that I found. Cause you know, I like to just add a little bit of woo woo to this pricing scenario. I've got a pricing mantra. I'll
1: go on. Would you like to hear it? I would love to hear okay, it. Okay. Here me. it
0: is. This is what you say to yourself people. If you would like to enjoy financial prosperity. Okay. I enjoy financial prosperity and circulate wealth and success in the world. I am financially supported by my creative expression, and my community celebrates and supports my success. Yay! How about that? Do you like that mantra? I love it. Um, what Instagram accounts have you been loving? Oh, um,
1: do you know what? I really like Mama Kins. Oh, um, she's
0: the best. Yes.
1: Um, do you know what? I think she's really raw and honest. Um, we'll link in the show notes because she's – I forget what the account's called. Mama Kin Picks.
0: That's right. Some underscores maybe. Yeah, yeah. we'll do a link. Uh, what about you, Bo? Who am I following? Oh, I've got a friend who I swim with, Nicole Hodgson. I follow her – Uh, you know, because she's my friend, but also she recently did this thing called One Year of Climate Action. And every week she releases uh, like an idea that is a super clear call to action on something that we can do each week to take action on the climate crisis. And it's really great because it's just very small, something that takes five to 10 minutes max, and it, but it's about just chipping away and making those little micro-commitments. Do you like that? Wonderful. Micro, do you like how I said micro-commitment? Micro, I enjoyed yeah. that. Okay, wonderful. <laughs> I just managed to slip that word in. So, Okay, so go forth and price, my friends. Go forth and price. Thank you so much for listening. Please um, give us a review. Um, send us feedback and contact us. And also we love our community questions, so we'd love to hear from you. All the links are in all the places, Um, Soul Traders Podcast. You can find us and we'd love to hear from you.
1: Thanks very much for listening. See you later, Amy. Bye.